You are listening to Ideas Aloud, a podcast series by the Institute for Democracy and Economic Affairs, Ideas Malaysia. I'm Siti Nurbaya Nazmi and joining me today is Academic Deputy Executive Director Dr. Nurliana Kamarudin from Asia Europe Institute, University Malaya. Dr. Nurliana specializes in international security and development cooperation. She teaches ASEAN studies at the Asia Europe Institute. Thank you, Dr. Nurliana, for being with us today. Welcome to Ideas Allowed. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, in this episode, we are looking at ASEAN's evolution as a security community. But let's start with the basics. What is actually security community? Um, all right. So perhaps we can start with essentially the idea of what was broached by scholar Karl Deutsch uh, a while back, right? And he defines a security community as a group of people or community really that is integrated by that sense of community and a belief on the parts of the people of that group that at one point or another, common social problems really has to be resolved through a process of peaceful change, right? And, and these resolutions come uh, either through institutionalized procedures and should not be resorting to large-scale physical force. Because in the past, when we talk about peace or security in a region, um, prior to our modern society as we understand today, peace is generally maintained by power and force. So if a government is much stronger and can maintain that fear and power over those around it, that perhaps there will be peace or security within the region. But obviously in today's community, we don't want that to be the manner of the way we perceive or identify uh, the means of securing, uh, of securitizing our community, right? So essentially this can be a form of formalized security community uh, that can perhaps even become nations, like for example, the United States of America, right? So they, they were a separate collection of states that essentially became a nation and then has become a means of uh, establishing, uh, establishing peaceful manner of, um, of coexisting. And then you have international organizations such as the EU. And of course, today in our region in Southeast Asia, we would have uh, ASEAN as the collection of Southeast Asian countries within a regional community. So in this manner, really, it's a process where countries uh, have common interests and they work together to find mechanisms and instruments that we can reduce uh, issues of um, tension, issues of dispute, and we can use it as a means of also enhancing cooperation and building confidence between these countries within that community. Right. And what is the purpose of ASEAN Political Security Community or APSC? Um, okay, so the APSC really is a formalization of ASEAN as a security community. Uh, what we need to understand as ASEAN as a security community is probably a bit further. We need to take a step back and really look at ASEAN's reason for being established, right? Because the concept of Southeast Asia really is quite complicated. It really is a very much a reaction to Western colonial expansion. So, I mean, of course, in Southeast Asia today or ASEAN, we understand the concept of Nusantara. We, we understand the concept of us being a, a region. But the real um, geopolitical grouping of what we count as members of Southeast Asia as a region didn't 
come about until Western colonization, right? So when we talk about Asia as a whole, Asia really is a created continent, right? So we say that East Asia or Southeast Asia really is uh, in reaction to Europe being a central idea of, of the world. So Southeast Asia in the 1950s really was only seen as perhaps like Burma, Thailand, Indochina, uh, which is today Laos and Cambodia and, and, and Myanmar and Vietnam, but you know, Philippines, Malaya, Indonesia, all of the territories that we had was very fluid and we didn't actually have um, any kind of nation building or national, national integration until uh, the end of Second World War. So much of our perception of security was built upon our relationship with the Western powers. And it wasn't until uh, the Cold War period that ASEAN countries themselves, which have started to become independent, uh, to started feeling the need to have more control over their own security environment. So before that, we've had other efforts at building regional integration and building like some kind of regional cooperation, right? So we had Seattle, for example, uh, which was meant to be something like NATO, is meant to be a military alliance between Southeast Asian countries. And then, of course, we had the, the effort, the initial effort of ASEAN, which is the Association of Southeast Asia, but that also kind of fell apart due to internal conflict in the region, right? We had the confrontasi between Malaysia and uh, Indonesia, right? And we've had a lack of interest essentially from Western countries to take part in the measure or, or in the protection of the security uh, of the of the region. So it really was the goal of ASEAN overall in order to enhance regional relations between all these newly independent nations. And that's when ASEAN was formed with our five initial foreign ministers of the, the original signatories of ASEAN, right? So Indonesia, Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore, and Thailand. Uh, and today, of course, ASEAN has expanded to include uh, Brunei in 1984. We've included Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia throughout 1995 to 1996 and we also have Papua New Guinea and Timor-Leste who are uh, official you know official um, observer states so overall ASEAN's evolution as a security community began much further than the establishment of the ASEAN political security community right so ASEAN itself was intended to control conflict and manage a very fragile political system uh, in a region which has long had a lot of issues uh, in terms of its own self-determination. So the ASEAN political security then, uh, which was established in 2009, is really a maturization of that uh, security community movement. So it's a, if you want to say it as an evolution of where ASEAN is today, right? So the ASEAN community was uh, introduced in 2009. Uh, it was meant to shape ASEAN as a rules-based people-oriented and people-centered regional organization. And the ASEAN community itself has three different pillars which it works with, which is the ASEAN economic community, the ASEAN social culture community, and the ASEAN security political community. And the first document of the SBC, which was adopted in 2009 in Thailand, is meant to be that official blueprint, which we see uh, covering today up until the initial one was up until 2015 and now the next one will be until 2025 so it covers a few different aspects for example legal and criminal matter it covers women with peace and security it 
covers peaceful, secure, and stable uh, region, and as well as the aspect of trying to make ASEAN an uh, outward-looking community. Uh, so that is uh, already an elaboration of the security mechanism supplied by ASEAN, I must say. Yeah, no. so, so ASEAN as a security community, the ASPC really is the, the formalization of the concept of ASEAN as a security community. So if you are a security community, then there has to be conflict resolutions or there has to be mechanisms in which ASEAN uses, uh, utilizes in order to enhance that security of the region. So there are definitely a few different mechanisms that, uh, that ASEAN does utilize. Uh, in a way, so you also have norms that ASEAN countries will use, uh, whether or not those are legalized norms or formalized norms, but there are means that we operate on as members of ASEAN uh, in order to enhance security, not just between ASEAN members, but ASEAN's own international relationship outside of the region. So we know, for example, like Malaysia, when we talk about our foreign policy, we we our linchpin is through ASEAN, right? And, and similar for other ASEAN members as well. So ASEAN has two different norms which it uses in the way it guides its member nations to engage with other countries around the world, right? So we have, the first thing is in terms of the norm between ASEAN members, which is what we know as the ASEAN way. So the ASEAN way is a formalized idea of bargaining uh, or, or diplomacy between ASEAN, right? So it's a decision-making process based on consultation and consensus. Uh, it legalize, uh, uh, it prohibits the use of force and focuses on peace, peaceful settlements of disputes, which means the reason why ASEAN doesn't have a military alliance within ASEAN members is because of this ASEAN way. And ASEAN then applies that in the way it uh, or in the way it conducts itself as an is as a regional organization, and then beyond that, ASEAN also has a formalized norm which uh, it it's known as the ASEAN centrality, which means when we talk about security for ASEAN, that is a focus on uh, ensuring multilateral participation within uh, within different multilateral platforms uh, in in the world, and enlargement of ASEAN's engagement with ASEAN being the central driving agency. So meaning, for example, if ASEAN is to, to participate in a discussion with East Asia, we have something that is the East Asia Summit, right? And when ASEAN deals with bigger powers, we have what we know as the ASEAN plus three, the ASEAN plus five, right? We have ASEM, which is the Asia-Europe meeting. Uh, we have APEC, right? The Asia-Pacific Economic Community, which ASEAN also takes part in as ASEAN, right? And as well as, as uh, the ASEAN regional forums. So those are the norms that drives how ASEAN engages in the maintenance of uh, security. And we also have formalized mechanisms or instruments, which would then cover things like the ASEAN regional forum or the ASEAN's defense ministers meeting. Right. Can you tell us more about some of the focus and activities of the ASEAN Regional Forum, ARF, and ASEAN's Defence Ministers' Meetings, ADMM? All right. So uh, in consideration of ASEAN's movement, or as, as we've titled it, you know, its evolution as a security community, some of the things that ASEAN needs to do is really implement formalised mechanisms in dealing with uh, security within the region. and as ASEAN does put an emphasis on ASEAN centrality, 
when it engages with international actors. So it also introduced a couple of mechanisms that allows it to be the driving, um, or at least to play a driving force when it comes to uh, discussion in terms of security. So one of these is the ASEAN Regional Forum. And the ASEAN Regional Forum is uh, obviously also based upon the ASEAN way, right? So it's a, it's a forum that employs uh, dialogue and consensus as well as efforts of confidence building uh, instead of being a more mili military alliance style security forum. And the ASEAN Regional Forum also allows ASEAN to have a larger convening role when it comes to the discussion of different security issues, right? And it plays a very different style of approach as opposed to what is normally applied in terms of security. Uh, for example, when we look at the United States um, action or role that the United States have played in East Asia, uh, the United States uses what it calls a hub and spokes structure. So essentially the hub is the United States and it has individual agreements with uh, Korea with Japan, with Taiwan, and these are the spokes of its various security agreements. But the ASEAN Regional Forum is meant to be the opposite of this alliance. It's, it's meant to be a, a platform uh, that includes countries which are generally seen as outliers. So countries like North Korea, countries like China, this is the, the only regional forum that has all of these major members uh, as part of it, right? So, so you have the United States and China and North Korea all uh, in, in one security forum together. And uh, the ARF itself, of course, has a few different activity streams. So it talks on topic of uh, counterterrorism and transnational crime. Uh, it has an activity stream on non-proliferation and disarmament. It has one on ICT security, uh, on maritime security, and also on disaster relief as well. So let's look at the other side of it. Like, what are the main challenges for ASEAN in its evolution as a security community? And um, I would like you to explain as well. What? Why do you use the word evolution here? Why? Why is it apt to use the word evolution? Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's start with the the second question on why. Why do we use the word evolution? Right. Um. Evolution means that there is a, a change and there is a progress. Mm -hmm. So it, it changes from what it used to be from its initial uh, establishment as a community to the function and the roles that it plays, right? So when ASEAN was initially established, ASEAN was meant to be a discussion platform for the five original member countries, uh, which then allows it to have a much more independent say in their own conflict resolution between the five members without the, I wouldn't say interruption, or without the involvement of the major powers at that time. Okay, so so uh, these countries that used to be, uh, that used to be under the colonial masters, like the Dutch and the British, and then afterwards, of course, for Philippines, the United States, and then going through the Cold War, which put ASEAN in a manner of speaking in the middle of the of the two large powers uh, confrontations between the USSR and the US. But also in that mix, we had China. So we had all these major powers vying for uh, influence within a small region. So ASEAN as a region, or at least Southeast Asia as a region at that time, needed to be able to guarantee its own security or needs to be able to project uh, 
uh, image to the rest of the, the world that it can guarantee its own security. So ASEAN's formation was very much ad hoc. It was very much elite-led. It didn't have a lot of, um, it didn't have a lot of formalized mechanisms, but it managed to achieve what it set out to do, which is to enhance trust and community building between the ASEAN member countries. So, what then becomes an evolution is that ASEAN has increased cooperation within its member nations. It has engaged further beyond the five original members. It has expanded membership to include all 10 member nations as we know it today. And then it has brought that evolution further by actually formalizing uh, its identity as a security community with the establishment of the ASPC. So you can see that there is a clear change from where ASEAN was uh, from its early years of establishment to where it is today. So those counts uh, or those show the, that we have had progress, even when the progress has been slow, even when the progress have had setbacks, but we've definitely had progress. And how do you see the main challenges now for ASEAN? Uh, on to that, mm -hmm. whether or not ASEAN is able to become a comprehensive security community the way, for example, the EU is, or whether it has, is able to become a more strategized military alliance, for example, the way NATO is. Those are things that ASEAN definitely faces, uh, uh, is challenged by, right? Because this concept of ASEAN's uh, way has a constraint on ASEAN's own decision-making process. Because when you work only via consultation and consensus, decisions have to be uh, made in a manner that requires agreement of all members before there is progress. Or, so there's no way of legislating members to actually take part in any kind of decision making. So for example, if we are going to take the ASEAN Regional Forum, right? the ASEAN Regional Forum says that there's three stages that it wishes to achieve. So it's supposed to be a forum for confidence building, it's supposed to be a forum that works as preventative diplomacy manner uh, towards conflict. And it's also supposed to be a forum that allows the elaboration to various approaches of conflict. But what we see today is ASEAN Regional Forum really gets stuck between stage one and two, right? It's still working on confidence building, despite having been around for quite a while, right? It's still working on trying to actually get preventative diplomacy measures on the ground. and as a regional forum that includes major powers like China, like the US and Russia, it really hasn't been able to actually address regional conflicts, right? It's like the South China Sea. So those are big challenges that I think will continue to be part of the ASEAN way. Uh, and is likely going to continue to be a challenge if ASEAN wants to further become uh, a significant player uh, or a significant international organization uh, within the world, right? Right, but uh, with uh, 20 months into the COVID-19 pandemic, I think uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is far bigger challenge at the moment. And um, even with the vaccination still aggressively being rolled out, do you think there will be a major change in the um, ASEAN's evolution as a security community? Um, I would actually honestly say that the biggest challenge is whether or not we can get back on track. So we haven't diverged or at least ASEAN member countries have not diverged from what it 
uh, initially planned out. Meetings are still going on. In fact, more, most recently, we've just had the, the ASEAN Regional Forum and uh, ADMM. They, these things have been conducted online. There's been agreements in terms of the introduction of health, uh, health cooperation as well, health diplomacy as well, and, and including infectious disease as part of the security uh, concerns that, that uh, ASEAN is facing. But essentially, really right now, what we see is that there is an inward looking uh, by my member countries because of the fact that uh, the main concern for them to tackle COVID is local, right? So governments are, are struggling to keep up with vaccination locally. They're struggling to deal with the political and economic fallout that we see from uh, the pandemic happening. Uh, obviously, in Malaysia, we are feeling that very strongly as well. But in terms of whether it would derail ASEAN's evolution, I, I don't think so. I think that ASEAN has shown even prior, prior to this that despite slow progress, progress has continued. Uh, mostly in a positive manner. Uh, the priority areas that are put in as part of ASEAN security concerns, things like you know, counterterrorism, maritime security might still be far away from reach, but there are things that ASEAN has done quite well, right? So for example, cooperation in disaster relief, uh, cooperation in peacekeeping operations and um, so on. These are things that ASEAN have done quite well. Uh, and ASEAN has managed to work in tandem with other co countries to help de-escalate crisis, you know, to, to take measures in response for for things like terrorism and, and crime. Um, so there is definitely ways that we can continue moving forward. And the only question is, how fast can we return to moving forward? Due to the pandemic, you mean? Yes, yeah, essentially. Right, we are coming to the end of this, uh, the show. Uh, it is, I think, it is everyone's hope that uh, we will be out of this pandemic soon. But having said that, it is immensely crucial uh, for ASEAN countries uh, to be strategic in its approach to the unfolding events. What do you say to that, uh, Dr. Norlena? I can only say I agree with you 100%. Right. Thank you very much, Dr. Nuliana Kamaruddin, for an important discussion on ASEAN's uh, evolution as a security community. Um, this is indeed um, a very um, lively um, discussion. I thoroughly enjoy speaking with you. Thank you very much. I'm Siti Nurbaya here. Thank you for tuning in to our listeners uh, to Ideas Aloud for more great conversations. Please find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcast. To download our policy papers, please visit our website on www.ideas.org.my. Thank you very much.